0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: It's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's
0: gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. Welcome back to Cover 2 Broncos, Jeff Essery. I am happy What's to... What's up? Um, there was a, a bit of a controversy in the last couple days about the fact that you were not on the episode that came out with me and Austin Gale. And we actually haven't explained to our listeners like why. So I, I feel like we should at least kind of be like, so Jeff is not going to be on every episode. Um, I'm going to try and tip you guys off to that as early as I can because if you don't want to listen to just me, I totally understand.
3: Or if you just want to listen to the episodes with just Joe and don't want to listen to me, that's fine too. But no we did yeah we did want to just um, kick off explain we're still rolling with cover to Broncos we um, love the show appreciate everyone's support um, my personal schedule is um, shifting the the amount that I can engage with the pod so Joe is holding down the fort and I'll be on um, at least every other week and um, most of the time we'll probably be you know um, throughout the show, but Joe will keep rolling with, um, great guests and content as well. So, um, keep it tuned in.
1: And, and I don't want to like, I'm not trying to dox you or anything, but like, just like in an actual real life thing. Like you got a job, like a, like a awesome job opportunity. So like, I'm happy for you and I want our audience to be happy for you. Cause I think it's, it's great news, man. So, yeah. I
3: appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah.
1: So but that's why we're not like, I'm not like, we're not fighting. We're not like, I've had people are like, what happened to Jeff? Is he off the show? I was like, no, like it's not, it was no. the Drew Locke
3: stuff. Wasn't yeah, it? It was it, Drew Locke. I finally I've, broke I've,
1: him. Yep, We just couldn't do it anymore. All the Drew Locke controversy. We just, we're done. But, but no, so, and honestly, like the time off is kind of, I mean, it's a gold mine out here with stuff to talk about. Like, and I don't even know where to start, honestly. Uh, so the last time you and I talked, like just you and I talked, we were talking about uh, how we like Kelly. We thought that might make sense as GM. They went with George Payton. Since then, Deshaun wow, Watson rumors. Have
3: we not talked since well, George we, Payton?
1: You and I talked with Tim Jenkins.
3: Yeah, that's right. right? We were yeah, talking okay. to
1: Locke and quarterbacks. Like we didn't, we didn't. And this is before Deshaun Watson news kind of really cranked up. This is before, so. It's been a minute. Like we we got a lot to go on going on right now. Um and again, if you guys missed the episode with Tim Jenkins, we talked about Drew Lock because I do want I know that you guys think of me as the biggest Drew Lock hater in the world and I I probably am. I am a jerk like that. So I probably am. But I do try to give everybody like I like again, Tim Jenkins studies this. He does this for a living. Like if you want to hear his take on Drew Lock with us picking his brain on Drew Lock because I loved it. Like, it was fun. It
3: was a great show. Yeah. yeah. And and again,
1: me and him are still kind of far apart on some stuff with Locke. But, like, I respect his opinion. Like, he knows his shit, man. So, please, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Let us know. We are hoping to have him on again because he's currently looking at quarterback prospects in the draft. So, like, we're, we're hoping to pick his brain on that as well. We would love to get your thoughts on that question, stuff like that. But, anyway, George Payton was hired. We haven't discussed this at all. How do you feel about that?
3: Um, I've come around to it more. Like I really was hoping for, um, champ Kelly, but hearing, and, and again, and I think we said this right when we were talking about it, it's really hard to evaluate front office process prospect, prospects because one, like you're just not as tuned in at least like personally, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't as tuned into the market because it was kind of a surprise when John LA stepped up and of stepped down. Um, and so, it's always hard to evaluate front office guys based on their previous history, because you just don't know what kind of decision-making power they had, right? And so, I mean, I know we talked the big question with Champ Kelly was, you know, was he in on Trubisky or did he want Deshaun Watson when they drafted him? You know, and, and you know the organization obviously went with Trubisky, but where was he on that? And same with George Payton is, um, you know, how big was he of an influence in that room, when they were drafting a lot of the you know great players that they did draft in Minnesota, and they you know they have a good track record. I think the organization is solid, and I've um commended Rick Spielman a couple of times on the site on things that I've written. It was actually when I was doing kind of g m um reviews, he kind of to me fell in a similar bucket as John Elway in terms of being able to. Whole talent from a lot of different places, had good free agent signings, good bargain bin fines, drafted well, um, and had good undrafted fines as well. And really, you know, his big thing was he was struggling to find a quarterback and he was searching everywhere for one. Um, they ended up landing on Kirk Cousins. And that's kind of been, you know, I think the jury is still out on that one, but um, I think that's been kind of the story with Spielman and George Payton's been his, right-hand man and he's super respected in the industry and so i think to me that was a big that was a big thing when i heard all the sentiment coming from the kind of that personnel world of how well respected george payton is it kind of brightened me up on the on the prospect of him being the gm and and i know and you and i've talked about this i mean we can talk about this now too like uh, i don't know that we've talked about this on the pod of kind of the just like who has the decision-making power and stuff like that like i think i'm less concerned than you are i don't know okay i I think i'm less concerned than you are about george payton's like how much decision-making power or decision-making ability that he has because i think it's you know it's kind of his ship to run at this point and you know so we'll we'll see where it goes but i know you've indicated that you maybe feel a little differently
1: so there's a there's like a couple parts to this. And and like and I do a really bad job of like making this clear because like on Twitter you have character limits. When I write a post, I'm trying to actually like make the point I'm trying to make. And I sometimes I don't I like that's why honestly one of the things I love about this. I am not necessarily concerned if George Payne is answering to Elway this year. So much that I think that the optics of it of everyone kind of pushing out, like, hey, it's Payton's show but it actually may very well still be Elway's show like i don't like that i don't like that part of it because i think what it does is it essentially gives elway a pass for a year to do whatever he was hoping to do anyway as peyton kind of gets ramped up and picks the moves at the margins and granted elway's done a pretty damn good job for most of his tenure like he has mistakes every gm has mistakes but like as a whole you know i've talked about this before we are getting ready to write a review of like john elway's tenure up to this point anyway, like in, in kind of like an in defensive L because I know that there was a lot of talk about firing him and all that stuff. I thought he was a great, like a pretty good GM. He's had mistakes at right tackle. He's had mistakes at quarterback and he's had some issues here and there, but like as a whole, like I'm cool with him, like kind of getting to run out this year. I just think the idea that, oh, it's George Payne, it's a clean break. Like it's a whole new fresh regime. They get a, a brand new slate starting right now. If we're doing that. And then like the Broncos turn around and fire everybody next year, like Vic Fangio and everybody else. Do we end get to do that again? And I think that's bullshit. And I think that that's a PR game. And that's why I've been trying to, that's why I've been trying to fight back against this a little bit. Again, I do not think George Payton is a puppet. I do not think John Elway is running a shadow regime. Like, and again, I've had people throw these things at me. I don't believe that stuff. I think that George Payton get, got hired. He's stepping into a GM job, but, This year, there's going to be parts where it's kind of murky about who's actually really getting the final say. And I think one of those is going to be quarterback. And I think head coach is kind of one of the other big ones. I've gone back through all the press conference stuff that you and I get as part of like Mile High Report a couple times. Like everything Elway has said, at least like to those mediums, has indicated that he wants to have influence on the roster this year. And again, I'm not saying he shouldn't. But he has made it clear that that's what he wants to do. And that is why he's staying on and not just clean cut retirement. And I don't blame him. Like, again, the Broncos finished 5 and 11. Like, if I'm John Elway, I came in and within five years we're a Super Bowl winner. And then since then it's been a dumpster fire. Like, I don't want to go out at the bottom. Like, I'm going to do everything. Business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, t- again, I rest- I'd be the same way. It, like, I, they would have to throw me out. And again, like, everybody listening knows, like, if you don't like my stuff that I do when I do my picks, like, You'd probably throw me out pretty quickly, but like, but I think John Elway deserves this year to like try and right the ship. But I'm also going to be critical of the fact that like, if they don't do things that I think that they, they should do, I'm not going to say, "Oh, it was Peyton's mistake." Oh, it was Elway's mistake. I'm going to say, "We don't know." And and I just think that the way it's being covered is a little bit disingenuous. That's all, and and that's what I've been trying to fight back against because no one else is saying it. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm out in the wild, and it is completely Peyton's show. I just think that we need to be at least aware of the fact that it could very well not be. That's that's all I've tried to try to do.
3: Sorry I think that's fair. Yeah. No, I think that's fair, and I think that's a fair um, a fair assessment of it. I don't know that I agree with it necessarily. Just from a like, I just don't. To your point, like I don't know. Like I, I do think it probably is going to be fully patent show just based on some of the things that guys like Ian Rappaport and stuff we're talking about of like before the GM job, before Peyton was hired, like the attractiveness of the GM job was because that person had final say. But again, that's, that's outside optics of, you know, once you get in the room and you're actually talking to John Elway, um, you know, to say that he doesn't have influence, like, I don't know that that's to your point, that's not a bad thing necessarily of like, if, he's, if he put this roster on a plan and we agreed with the plan in the offseason. we liked it before, you know, early, um, before 2020 happened. Um, it was a good plan. It still was a good plan. It still is, I think. And so if the GM comes in and says, Hey, you know, tell me what you were thinking here. Oh, I like that plan. I'm going to stay with it for a year and let's ride it out. Mm-hmm. Like whose decision, whose decision really is that? Right. So it's, I mean, it's ultimately it's George Payton's decision to not come in and wipe the slate clean, but it's John Elway's plan that he built. And so I do think it gets a little murky there. And I mean, honestly, I don't care who gets credit of like, Oh, this was Elway's call or this was right. Like if he's building off of what Elway did, I mean, sure. Technically it's his call to do that. Like he could have literally come in and fired everybody theoretically um and he did it and and so he made the call to kind of remain some level of status quo at least with coaching staff we'll see what he does at quarterback and stuff like that um but I do think the other on the other side of that is we really don't know like I want to take them remaining status quo as indication that Elway is exerting some you know extraneous level of influence and i know you're not saying that right well but i do think there is some people that are saying like oh well if we just stay the course that means elway is running the team and not peyton well it could just very well be peyton deciding we're going to stick with john elway's plan
1: well and that so and i guess that's that's kind of a good segue from here is because there's two parts to that first Peyton multiple times in like his press conference and then like the follow-up pressers with like the, the local radio stations and then, uh, KO, uh, not KOA, nine news, like, well, like when he talked to all the, you know, did the rounds, it's like how I would kind of describe it multiple times throughout all that. Cause again, I went back and listened to basically as much of it as I could. He talks about how he's in alignment with Elway. So again, like, it's murky. And that's why, like, I, I, I wrote the piece I did, I think it was last week, not necessarily to try and be like, oh, it's this or this or this. It's just saying, like, don't believe the, the BS saying, like, oh, we're in year one of a new guy and it's all brand new when it's like, it may very well be like Elway and Payne, And again, if it's successful, they may very well keep Elway on and continue to run what is working. Like, I'm not worried about who's making the decision. Because again, I wasn't ready to run Elway out the door anyway. My whole thing is like, don't fall for like the, don't get caught in the PR game of it all. Because that's what I'm, that's what I sense. I sense that it became like this big giant optic game of like, don't blame anybody. It's all fresh. It's all great. And it's like, it's like, just go forward from here. And I think the next part of that is I agree the the plan going back to last year, surrounding Locke with talent, letting it all build, supplementing it with defensive help on the other side, that's veteran, like veteran talent that's proven was a smart strategy. Obviously, COVID completely derailed that. Like you and I have talked about that multiple times. But like if Peyton and Elway and whoever decide that's what they're going to try and do for year two is to like roll that back out. I think that is a viable strategy. I wrote I, I wrote a post for it. By the time you guys are hearing this, it will actually be out of a, like, a quote-unquote patient offseason. And the, the idea of that is basically, because I've been trying to write out the scenarios of, like, what I see is the four different roads that Denver could really take, kind of, um, to some degree or another. And this one is essentially, like, Peyton has said, like, he believes in embracing the grind. Well, if you're embracing the grind, like, the Broncos aren't going to be super active in free agency, they're not going to be super, they're going to probably re-sign the people that they want, play out the market and be competitive in spots where they're not spending a lot of money or offering or, or risking losing compensatory selections. Because if they lose Shelby Harris, they could very well get a compensatory pick for him. So like they may let him go and then sit out the market and wait and then jump in later. That's so like, I, I do think that that's possible. And I don't think that's necessarily Elway's plan or Peyton's plan. I think that's a Broncos plan that they could make. Um, and I write out what I think I would want to do in that scenario. So if you guys haven't already looked at it, I hope you do. Um, if you get mad at me again, I'm just trying to explore scenario though. Like I've been trying to do that for the last week or so, but no, what, like, what do you hope they do from here? Cause I think it's, it's easy to look at all the different scenarios and I have like a preference on it. Like, obviously if they can get to Sean Watson, I'm all for it. That's why I've been saying it for two weeks now. I don't think Deshaun Watson's available. Like, I don't, I think the Texans are going to do everything that they can to keep him. I th- and then they're going to hopefully everything sorts itself out. Like, that's what I think they're hoping for. I think if things go nuclear, then like, obviously we're going to continue to talk about it and it's going to probably annoy you guys, but, but outside of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, kind of like, what are you looking at as far as like this off season?
3: Yeah. And I mean, I'll go back to a, a tweet that I put out probably midway through the, the season. Uh no, it was later at this point, later in the season. And it was kind of at the point where like the season was done guys had been hurt so much. Like it was really about young guys playing on the roster. And I started to look at it and it was actually, you know, I started to get encouraged as I looked across the roster I put it out and said, look, like you guys tell me, and it was an honest question. Like when I look across the roster, there's not really a lot of spots that I look at outside of the big quarterback question. I think, that I would, that I wouldn't be okay running it back on, you know, because again, Denver had one of the youngest rosters in the league last year from a just overall age perspective and a lot of fresh young talent that they had brought in. And then also free agents, I think that they had brought in, that didn't really get a full, I think guys like Drell Casey, didn't get like a, you know, he got hurt. And so didn't get to really see what he could do paired with like the whole plan, remember was, Von Miller, Jarrell Casey, Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. together terrorizing quarterbacks, allowing the young secondary to grow on the back end, and it ended up almost being the opposite of that, at least toward in until the end of the season when you know cornerback just got so thin, everybody was was young. But um, so when you look across the roster, like there's not really a lot of spots, and again, depending on what they do where there's just massive, massive holes that I want not you know, there's not a lot of guys that I want to say like, look, I, I'm okay seeing another season of him. There's a couple guys. And I think, you know, maybe that's a, I think that's a future podcast. Like we won't do that here, but like a deep dive of the roster, I'd love to dig in and, and look at, I think our plan in the future over these next couple episodes of the podcast is to start digging into the roster and at position groups and say, look, okay, where can we upgrade here? And obviously you can upgrade, you can always upgrade on a roster, right? I mean, I think you could upgrade at linebacker, um, even though I'd be okay running it back at linebacker. I think you can upgrade obviously at cornerback. That's, that's to me, the biggest hole that would be there. I think- and again, that depends on what happens with AJ Boye and Bryce Callahan. But if you like, if, a, if you assume everybody comes back healthy, and you keep everyone, and I'm assuming you re-sign Justin Simmons, because I think you're just, like, George Payton would be crazy not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm assuming, you know, let's, let's assume they keep Jarrell Casey, you re-sign Justin Simmons, Vaughn Miller's back, like, just essentially a run it back from last year's roster. There's not a lot of places that I, you know, would not be okay seeing more of based on what we saw last year. Agreed. Uh, the, other than maybe, you know, I think A.J. Boye struggled. Um, I don't know if it was health or or what it was, but I think you could upgrade at cornerback. And then mm-hmm. Bryce Callahan obviously got hurt. And so I think it just did, it, it exposes the weaknesses there of, like, we need more depth at cornerback. But other than that, I mean, you know, and we don't have to go down position by position, but what was your reaction to that? I think you responded well, I, to it when, when we talked about it. But as you think about it now, like, what's your reaction to that?
1: I mean, I agree. Uh, so I looked uh, – because again, I've been doing these, these scenarios for too long now, like to the point where I, I, I have it kind of like all written out. Um, if the Broncos cut AJ Boye, as like, as I think everybody expects, um, the Broncos, sorry about that. If the Broncos cut AJ Boye, kind of as everyone expects. And then I kind of expect them to move on from Jeff Driscoll, just because Brett Ripon was a better quarterback by the, By the time we saw Brett Rippon, than Jeff Driscoll was. So, like, why would you pay Jeff Driscoll if you can make money? You know, so I think those two moves are almost a given. Um, granted, if they're not, like, we can go back to it. But if you, if the Broncos cut Jeff Driscoll and AJ Boye, and then you kind of like consider what, uh, over the cap currently projects is the Broncos cap space, um, due to like rollover and all that stuff, they'll have almost $30 million in cap space, which doesn't sound like a lot, but there are, I believe, I want to say there are 11 teams currently in the red. So, like, they're under the cap, like, and that's with a pretty optimistic cap ceiling, like, as of right now. Like, over the cap is pretty optimistic about what's going to happen with the cap. So, like, there's 11 teams in the red. Only 10 teams have more than $17 million in cap space as of right now. So, like, if the Broncos end up having about 30, like, they can make moves. And granted, at that point, like, then you have to turn around and look at what they're doing if they're going to give it restricted free agent tenders to Pat, uh, Tim Patrick, Alexander Johnson and Philip Lindsay, that's about $10 million. So like that immediately that eats into that re-signing Justin Simmons. The thing with Justin Simmons, uh, over the caps, Nick Corte talked about this. You can structure Simmons extension. Like again, if he's amiable to it to really lower the cap hit this year, Garrett Bowles, contract does this where Garrett Bowles is actually only counting for $5 million against the cap this year. Like you can, like, that's, inc- like, it's crazy. Like, that's really well done. Um, but you can do something like that with Simmons if you want. So, like, again, if you want to make this year, like, a-, a year to have extra money, like, you can do that. So, Simmons extension in and of itself isn't going to hang up the cap. Like, so just kind of put that out there. But from there, you're going to have some decisions because I think, like, in an ideal world, you're bringing back Shelby Harris. Um, he's had four years where he's been a pretty productive pass rusher. This year and then a couple years ago with uh, Vance Joseph when he was playing as a backup nose and then like some 3-tech. Those are the two best years, but like he's been good like for basically four years now. Um, I, the problem you're going to run into is the cap situation with it because Jarrell Casey, if you free him up, if you cut him, you're going to create about $12 million in cap space, and that could be money used for Shelby Harris. But the other thing is Jarrell Casey is going to be 30... He just turned 31 in December. Step into the world
0: No purchase necessary. VGW group, voyage prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
1: Because he was acquired in a trade, none of his contract is guaranteed. There's a possibility that coming off an injury, you can approach Daryl Casey and say, hey, we want to keep you, but we can't keep you at $12 million. If we give you a signing bonus back, like if we work this out, can we break can we lower your overall cap, give you actual guarantees? And for him, it's protection against injury, it's protection against getting cut. And for the Broncos, it lowers the cap and they can feasibly, depending on what Shelby Harris's market looks like, they could bring both of them back. And again, I don't, I'm do not i not saying that that is definitely going to happen, but I'm saying that they could approach it like that because, and this is why I kind of am advocating for it if the Broncos are trying to be competitive, and I think they are. If you look at the current free agent defensive line class, like with the guys with contracts running out, not guys that are caught yet because we don't know, It's Leonard Williams and then, like, a really steep fall off. Like, even though Jarrell Casey got hurt last year, and yes, he is 31, like, when he was playing for the Titans, he was still quite good. Like, if you can get him at an affordable number, like, you were not going to do better than Jarrell Casey and Shelby Harris by going out and grabbing a random guy, unless you're really paying Leonard Williams. And I'm not going to advocate for that because I don't – he's good. I wouldn't pay him what he's going to make on the market. But other than that, I think, I think boundary corner is clearly the big need. And then you try and kind of increase the depth. And if you can get a linebacker, you get a linebacker. But other than that, I think those are the big things other than quarterback.
3: Yeah. And so I think that's where it comes around to, I mean, obviously we talk quarterback because it's so important, but also because I think you could feasibly make a case for if the situation comes up and I'm not advocating for this necessarily, unless it's Deshaun Sean Watson, then I'm advocating for it. But if, if it's like a trade up scenario, or if they really like Matthew Stafford or something like that, like I think you have enough leeway currently in your roster where you could spit like, this is the year I think where you could spend draft capital to go after a quarterback. Yes. And again, I, I mean, you you hurt yourself a little bit in, you know, you don't get that top flight corner if you're able to try to get a corner at nine. Um, and we can talk about that in a future podcast as we dig in and, and and break down all the different draft folks. But I'm thinking about a guy like Fairley, um, you know, at cornerback. And, is I, name I, that-
1: and I love him. Like I've, I've watched games and I've watched bits of others again, still trying to get more tape. So if anybody has all 22 of Caleb Farley, like I'm all for it, like, please I'll hook you up. But yeah, he's a perfect fit. Like if he's there, if you're stuck at nine and you're not moving down and you're looking for a corner, like that's the guy, like that's again, if he looks on the field, like he looks on his 2019 tape, that's the guy like that's the Fangio corner. He's a star. Like, he can play inside, outside, he plays off, he can tackle, he's big, he's fluid. Like, he's everything you want in a Fangio corner.
3: And so, I mean, to me, that's almost the tree, right? Is like, that's your two top priorities, unless uh, something else shakes out in the roster. You know, I think if they let Von Miller go, obviously, I think pass rusher probably gets more, you know, shot up to the top of your list. But right now, as I look at the roster, my top two priorities, if I'm George Payton, well, obviously, it's re signing Justin Simmons, but then after that, it's what do we do at quarterback? What do we do at cornerback? And so that's kind of the two directions you could go in the draft if you wanted to go that route from a quarterback perspective. You know, you're sacrificing getting that top flight corner if you wanted to use draft capital to get a quarterback, but it's not the end of the world. You could, you could find, you can find corners in free agency. You can, you know, depending on Bryce Callahan's health. You bring him back. It's not the end of the world if you don't get that guy at number nine. And so, I mean, I think that pick's available to either do a trade up or something like that, depending on what they want to do at quarterback. And so, I think that's that's why the quarterback question mark is so is so big and wide open. Is there's one? There's not a lot. There's not a ton of options. Like there's there's a couple, but the options that are out there, I think, are wide open for Denver, if that makes sense. All right. right? So. They could very well, they're in position for a trade-up, depending on what the Jets want to do at number two. You could see them potentially, I could see them potentially trading out of that position. Um, So I think theoretically, if you're Denver, you could trade up. You could stay with Drew Locke and bring in, you know, veteran competition like a Nick Foles or something like that. You could try to chase a guy like Matthew Stafford, or you could go, nuclear option like you said and go for deshaun watson and i think all of those are very viable options and you look at the betting odds market not that that's gospel right but there, denver's denver's up there for all of those options and so um it's i think they're all very viable approaches
1: so then so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell it because again I've, i've now worked out the four scenarios i think the last one comes out on saturday but I'm, a, I'm in the middle of finishing a draft scenario for that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda spoil it. My preference, based on like where I'm at right now, if they can get up to get number two and get Zach Wilson, that's what I want. I've I've watched him now. I've watched Tim Jenkins breakdown down of him. I've watched like what some other analysts that I respect, like what they I'm if they can get Zach Wilson, I'm in on Zach Wilson. I think again, I don't think he's gonna be a seamless transition. I think there's gonna be some issue like I think he's gonna have some turnover problems early. Like He goes blind to linebackers a little bit, and there's times where he like he still needs to kind of advance that. But but the accuracy is already better than Drew Locke's ever was. Like his ball placement's better, it's more consistent. He's gonna need to pause some of his footwork. But what he does, and again, like I've had people ask me, like, oh, well, he's the same guy as Drew Lock. It's like, no, he's not. They're they're cut from a mold of like they both have the kind of arm talent, they can both make moves on the run. But I would say Zach Wilson's actual arm talent is right about the same. His arm strength is probably a little bit lower, maybe. Like, not enough that, like, I'm worried about it. But what where he separates is Wilson's better at throwing on the run. Wilson is, again, he's more accurate. And that's, like, the big thing for me. Like, if you can't complete a pass, like, what good are you? And I think Wilson's going to give you a more consistent guy there. Um, and, again, not to turn this into a Zach Wilson show type thing, but, like, that's my that's where I'm at right now. Um, beyond sure. that
3: – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so, and you may be getting there, but you're kind of, you, you've, um, you're kind of double clicking, which is great because I think there's two things to talk about there. So you're going down the route of trade up one. So you think rookie quarterback, right? And then it's the question of, okay, now that we do that, what's the rookie quarterback that we, that we get. And so, you know, you've identified Zach Wilson, but I'd love to back it up one as well of the, the trade up first and how we get there of, I mean, I, yeah. I do think I, I don't disagree with you. I think the case for bringing in a new young quarterback is like, it's, we're not, you're not that far. I mean, well, you like, have a
1: five-year window again. Like, yeah. so here's the thing with Drew Locke. And again, I'm not giving up on Drew Locke. Like there's a, again, there's a whole lot to unpack here. And I don't want to talk your year off because I want your I want to hear what you think about some of this. So like, don't let me just talk your ear off, but it's like, I'm not super high on Matt Stafford because I see Matt Stafford as a close, like not closed, but it's a smaller window. And in that smaller window, you're coinciding with like the most competitive salary era with the chiefs. Like before Mahomes' contract gets out of hand is what you're trying to do is you're trying to fit a championship in that. Like that seems stupid to me. Like, I don't think going all in again, I'm open to Matt Stafford if the capital to get him is not stupid. I don't want to trade nine for Matt Stafford. And I will be very, very vocal about that if they do trade nine for Matt Stafford. Not because I don't think he's good, but because I think he gives you a smaller window. His cap is higher. And again, these are issues with Deshaun Watson, but I think Deshaun Watson's age and ceiling are considerably higher. So I think it's a different discussion with those two. That's why I made two scenarios for them.
3: And I think that's I think that's a good like point to bring up, and this is something we talk about on the show a lot, right, is one, like just overarching strategic moves from a long-term perspective. And to me, this is where, you know, putting on the GM hat, this is what a GM is thinking about. I think they have and And then you tie a player to it, right? And so to me, there's, you have the couple routes of how you acquire a quarterback. And obviously, one of those is the draft. The other one is free agency. And then you look around in a trade, or you you see what else you already have on your roster, right? So the veteran bring in a veteran QB route is a like one route, and it has um, pros and cons regardless of who that person is. And then once you attach a player name to that, then it to me, you know, it starts to change the equation, right? So you have all the drawbacks of bringing in a veteran quarterback, the shorter window, the salary, you're going to, have to pay them potentially trading for them. A guy like Matthew Stafford doesn't tip the scales. And I would agree with you for me, doesn't tip the scales for me either enough to overcome that yep. A guy like Deshaun Watson does. And so that's where like changing the player out changes the equation, but the equation is really still kind of the same is you're trading draft capital. You're having to pay a larger salary. You're shortening your window. When you're talking about the draft stuff on the other side, I, I do think it's a great like it's a great point in terms of you're starting fresh essentially with a with a new rookie contract. It's kind of what we talked about with Drew Locke is you're almost waiting out the Kansas City Chiefs to where like you're you're not going to build a contender next year and and theoretically like when we said this last year like we weren't we weren't going to build a contender in 2020 really what you're doing with the chiefs is you're playing the long game. Like they're going to get their super bowls with Patrick Mahomes probably this year. they will be a contender I'm sure next year as well, mm-hmm. but then they've then the cap is going to start catching up and the contract situation. And so your hope is there's enough attrition of talent on the Kansas city chiefs that you're poised to start challenging them past that window. And the longer you can keep that window open, the better shot you have.
1: And this is one area where I want to say that for how critical I am of John Elway and I am, this is one of those areas where he has done an exceptional job is he, they've done a really good job with their cap because again, the Broncos are positioned right now that if drew lock was a clear cut franchise passer, they have what looks like $30 million to add talent to go all in this year. If they wanted to, the question is obviously, I don't know if anybody will tell you that they are certain that, that drew lock is going to be a top 10 quarterback. Again, we talked to Jim Jenkins. And he said he has like two big things that he has to fix. And then he could be, and, and again, and I'm not trying to hate on drew lock here, but I'm saying the problem with what we're dealing with right now with lock is let's say, let's say you, you do go all in on him this year and he does deliver. And I mean, that's pie in the sky that happens. The problem is next year, you're working on a long-term contract with him because as a second round pick, he's at the end of his contract next year. Like not next year, but like he has two years left on steel. And at that point, you're having to juggle all that with the question of he did it once. Like, do we think he's doing it from now on? And and again, if that's what they think that they, they, if that's what they believe is the best road forward, I hope they hedge against it just because if he doesn't deliver, they're going to need to do something unless they're hoping to bottom out to a pick. Um, and again, that's a scenario like in the scenario that's going to come out that you guys will probably see tomorrow today. Um, I trade down in the draft because I can't go up to get a quarterback. And what I do is I try and collect as many 2022 first round picks as I can, even if what it ends up doing to the 2021 draft is I'm just taking a lot of shots on guys in hopes that they can deliver depth. Because I think when you're, when you're trying to build a defense and the biggest question about your defense is the depth. It makes sense to just throw as many picks at the board as you can. On guys that make sense because some of them are gonna pan some of them aren't like the farther down the draft board you go the higher chance of those picks not doing anything really is we have to you have to be smart about that and just just recognize that like don't be overconfident in your own ability to evaluate that you think every one of these picks is gonna be a pro bowler they're not like i'm just gonna be honest like they're not so what you do especially in a year like this year where we have opt-outs on top of a lot of guys not playing very much in 2020 or playing in less than ideal circumstances because competition was out or people were hurt like all that stuff like there's more uncertainty with the draft this year than any other year so my strategy to this year if i was the one running it would be either we're going up and getting a quarterback and this is the year if you're gonna throw a lot of capital go get a quarterback it makes sense because zach wilson played the whole year like we know what he did this year so if you're gonna go after him again if, if you don't believe in him that's a whole different discussion but like as of right now i do but if you're going after him i don't care what it costs to get him this year in terms of draft capital this year because if I wasn't going up to get him, what I'm going to be doing with the draft capital this year is moving down, trying to get picks for next year anyway. Um, yes, your defense will suffer for going after a quarterback, but the biggest question on the Broncos is corner, and the best position group in free agency this year is cornerback. So like, I would supplement that by – I would add a Troy Hill if you can get Troy Hill. Um, he's a young corner who played for the Rams. He's played in the Staley defense, which, again, obviously has big overlaps with the Fangio defense. I would go after a guy like a woozy who played for Dallas because he's a zone corner who plays on the boundary. who's physical, stuff like that. Like I would yeah. add a couple guys guys, hopes that some of them deliver.
3: Yeah. And there's more routes for within free agency to fill holes within the draft that aren't available via quarterback. And yes. so like you're, you're zeroing in on quarterback and you can fill the rest of the holes elsewhere in other, in other positions, which I get, like, I don't disagree with that. I think, it, it does come down to who do you believe in, in that draft? And is, you know, is he going to be your guy that you're going to stake your claim? And can, and can you go get him, right? Is, is he going to come question. off the board before? And so, and and I haven't done the deep dive that you have yet on the prospects. And so I'll, I'll put out my ranking of the prospects and um, see who I like and stuff as we get into the, just this draft process um, and watch more tape on them. But what I have seen of Zach Wilson is, you know, and from, Tim Jenkins breakdown and, and other things there, I don't dislike him. And I, and I, um, I don't disagree with you. I think on, on that approach and I like, um, it, to me, it's not too far off either from what you were planning to do with drew lock, because I mean, drew lock has a lot of games under his belt at this point, but can we really say like when we were sitting it in 2020 and saying. right, we we have this young roster of all this talent and let's let him grow with Drew. Let's let them grow with Drew Locke. We've drafted all these guys. I don't know that we saw enough of a jump from, like Locke didn't take massive strides forward in 2020 that he's so much further ahead, I think, of a rookie that would come in and compete. Obviously from an offense, like learning the offense standpoint, yes, but Locke didn't have a full off season anyway. So if you draft a rookie, he's going to have the, the same offseason that Locke would have this year that's supposed to be the new big, you know, big offseason for Locke. And so he's not really that far ahead of a rookie that you would be drafting, which, which to me is the argument against drafting a, a quarterback, right, is that you're, you're dialing your offense back two years because Drew Locke theoretically has two years on whatever quarterback you draft. But I don't know that he does. Mm-hmm. from a being in the offense standpoint, because you already switched coordinators on him once you, he struggled picking up the offense and not from a, like not anything against him, but just it's a tough offense to pick up. He he didn't have a off season to, to dig into it. And so there was some bumps there with Pat Shermer's offense. So it's not like he's, you mean know, he got more comfortable as the year went on and you can tell that he's starting to get it and pick it up. So he would be ahead of the curve. But I don't know that it's big enough to really dissuade you from saying let's go get a guy in the draft because you're not you're you're not starting back over from scratch as much as I think it would be if Drew Locke had had two full off seasons with the same coordinator, all of that.
1: Well, and I think worst case scenario, let's again, quote unquote, worst case scenario in this in this scenario, let's say you drew trade up for Zach Wilson because the Jets are really really generous and or the Dolphins decide they like Tua. And they're going to trade down and collect more picks. Because, like, let's say they do that. So you can get up, get get Zach Wilson. Drew Locke sees this happen and turns this into, like, his personal, like, this is it, this is my chance. Fixes his footwork, fixes, like, all the other issues. He comes into camp and he looks like a top-10 quarterback. Well, now you have a really, really talented prospect that most of the league really likes. Andrew Locke, who now looks like a top-10 quarterback. Like, the, the Chargers had a similar pro like again problem to this when they had drew Brees, who finally kind of put it all together and they had just drafted philip rivers they ended up having a really really good quarterback situation for a couple years and eventually they let drew Brees go after an injury but like you don't necessarily have to have it end that way you can trade whoever you don't want to keep and get again premium draft capital like zach wilson unless he comes into camp and looks like a bum like he's not gonna lose like value over that year if drew lock looks like a top 10 quarterback like you'd have a very strong position. Again, Drew Locke's been hurt enough that if you have a rookie on the bench behind him, that might not be a bad thing either. Like I I don't, again, I'm not, I'm not ready to run Drew Locke out the building. I'm just saying like, if you can get Zach Wilson from what I've seen of him and what I've like seen people that I respect have said of him, like, I think if you can get him, he's the guy to go get. Um, I'm not as sold on Justin Fields yet. I've watched actually more games of Fields than Wilson so far. Um, I and again I'm not trying to hate Fields, but like when you said like name a prospect down to the actual route, I think Zach Wilson is in that discussion for me. I don't know if I'm up in like the trade up for Justin Fields thing. If he's there at nine, that might be a different discussion right now. I need to see more. Um, one of the big problems Fields has that like has been a really big catch for me is the way he sees the field. It actually kind of reminds me of Drew Locke. Like there's just times where he just doesn't see it. Um and again, in the pros, that's gonna be harder. So like I want to see more of that. And I also worry about his fit with Pat Schirmer because I don't know if Pat Schirmer would bend the offense enough to really weaponize Justin Fields' legs. And I think if you're not going to use Justin Fields' legs, like you're wasting it. And so like, and then that's a whole nother discussion about like, well, what's the real issue there? But like, I'm just saying, I don't know if I feel comfortable trading up for Fields right now. I do feel comfortable if they were to trade up for Zach Wilson. Like I'd be really excited.
3: Yeah. And I think the, I think the one argument i guess against if we're sticking and and i would agree with you on and i haven't fully gotten there with zach wilson yet like i just don't know enough to stake my you know yeah. stake yeah. the claim in the ground and say you know this is the guy i would trade up for but of the guys that i know enough about he would be he would be up there um or be probably the one guy that, that i would feel comfortable trading up with but if you go the trade up route the one argument against that i think um to your a counterpoint i guess to the you have two quarterbacks on the roster and you, it's never a bad thing to have you know good quarterbacks on the roster is i'm not a big fan of quarterback competitions and we've talked about this yes. before it is one of the things that i did like about what they did with drew Locke is they drafted a guy he was the clear-cut guy going into the off season. he got all of the reps like i mean it's so unfortunate he didn't get all the reps during the off season with covid and all of that but that was an off season. He should have gotten, you know, all of those reps too, in camp, you know, you start getting into the quarterback competition. I don't know that it's ever worked out really well for teams. Like all you do is end up taking snaps away from either your young guy that you're going to go to later on in the season. Like most of the time, when people do quarterback competitions, that's what ends up happening, right? Is you end up one guy, they just go with the veteran, and he wins it but then halfway through the season they're not winning they trade they go to the young guy anyway and now he hasn't taken 50% of the snaps in the, in training camp and so you're kind of you're kind of hamstringing him at that point so if if you trade up and like a guy and believe in him enough give him all the give him all the reps and yep you know put well, the offense in his hands
1: well and that's to like devil's advocate off your devil's advocate like the thing with like a Wilson trade-up that I like about this is like you did clearly state like this is our guy. And from there, it's like if Locke doesn't come to camp ready to battle, like he's going to end up being a backup. And again, like I – and I'm not trying to push him That's into a good backup, point. But I'm saying yeah. like, at that point, the ball is, is in his court. Like he can either A, force his way out of town, and he could do that, or the Broncos could deal him at that point for whatever they can get. Or he can stay, you know, and work on the things that everybody knows he needs to work on and show the world that he actually is a starting caliber quarterback and then you win like yes at that point you have to manage the situation with the locker room and that is an issue but like
2: judy was
0: boring hello then judy discovered com. it's
1: my little
3: escape
0: now judy's the life of the party
3: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
0: whoa take it easy judy The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
2: Ch-ch-chumba.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: When quarterback is as big a question mark and the rest of the roster is fairly solved, I think we're at a point with the roster where you almost have to do something unless you just have blind faith that Locke is going to put it together. And again, I'm not saying that you're wrong because he very well could. I have not seen enough to think that he will. And I'm risk adverse. Like the way I try to approach like the offseason, roster building, GM and all that stuff, I try to weigh out risk versus reward. I think the year that you can do the blind faith, let Locke like be the guy was last year. Because he hasn't like owned it and like really proven as of now he is the guy. Now you have to hedge. And if he is the yep. guy, he'll he'll rise to the occasion. And if he's not, you'll find a guy. That's where yeah, I'm and at. I, and again, if yeah, people disagree I, with it, I get it, but that's where I'm at with it.
3: I agree with you. I think that like, I'm totally, totally on board and agree with exactly what you're saying. And I think to that point, bringing in a Nick Foles or something is not it. enough of a hedge I for me. I, my if, that, problem. If, I'm, if I'm a GM, that's not enough of a hedge. That's not enough of a push for Drew Locke either. Um, I, I, I think the, the second round pick or, or the, the, you know, number two overall or trading up for a first round pick and not that you would trade up just to push Locke, but I do think it's a great point that at that point you, you staked your claim in the ground. This is our guy. And if Locke wants to pull a Russell Wilson, and I know that it's changed a little bit, right? Because yeah, Russell Wilson was the draftee, but Russell Wilson essentially forced the Seahawks hand. They had just handed Matt, it was Matt Flynn, right? They just handed him Matt Flynn a massive contract in the off season and russell wilson forced their hand and at that point like who cares about the money you start the best guy right yeah, and coordinate. so if yeah like you don't care if you spent this draft capital and lock turns into that guy um you just trade him or or whatever but um you make lock make you pick him yes. instead of this weird like pseudo kind of quarterback competition with a a veteran that you probably wouldn't want to start anyway. Like nobody wants to start Nick Foles, right? Well, and
1: that's, that's why I hate, like I don't like trading for a competition guy who is honestly being brought on to lose. And that's what the bears did. That's what Nick Foles was. Like the bears had clear options last year and they went and traded for Nick Foles because they thought Mitch Trubisky could beat him in camp. And what ended up happening is they yo-yoed all year. Like, Trubisky started, they brought him, they benched him, brought in Foles until Foles was garbage, and then they benched him the Trubisky. They realized it was sink or swim. They had to make do with Trubisky, and they tried to make it work. Like, that is a situation where I think everyone on the Broncos loses. You're essentially wasting a year of your young offense to find out Drew Locke's not the guy when you had doubts going in. And my thing is, like, again, if you believe that Drew Locke is the guy, bring in a veteran backup who's not actually competition, but who's just a capable backup. And I'm not advocating for this because I don't necessarily believe, I have more doubts than I have faith at this point. I don't think
3: the Denver Broncos believe he's the guy. And that's not no. a, like, that's not a knock on lock. It's just- they're, they're, You have to
1: look at the situation G- from like with yeah, a cool, if, yeah.
3: If you're a GM and you walk into this this roster, I mean, every, I said this last time, um, everybody's being evaluated, right? Like you look across, can I upgrade at, you know, left tackle, can I upgrade at Von Von Miller's can I upgrade on Von Miller can I upgrade on Justin Simmons like and the answer to most of those is going to be no but if you look across quarterback I don't know that anybody in their right mind would join this roster with you know and look at the tape look at what drew lock has done and say we're good at quarterback
1: mm-hmm.
3: now that's not to say we can't you know we don't believe in him or that we we think he could turn into something but at this point you can't say we're good at quarterback you you are putting some level of betting or faith that he will turn into that guy and so you you know to your point on hedging i think i think it's a smart strategy to hedge now you could make the call and say hey we're going to go all in on lock and we're going to bet that he doesn't um doesn't screw us over this next season. And that's a, like that's a route you could take. It's yes. not one that I would take, but that's a route that you could take as a GM, but it, it is just as risky to me as trading for a, a young rookie quarterback.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, and again, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, so, cause I, 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 Beyond quarterback. And again, I, I want to be cognizant of your time. A couple things that are not quarterback is what I was thinking, just because I yeah. don't want to just browbeat everybody with quarterback stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I tend to do that because personally, it's, again, it's the what they do at quarterback determines every other thing they do this offseason. Yeah. And that's like, sorry, guys. Like, I don't mean to like be the quarterback guy all the time, but like, that's the truth. And I think you and I know it. Like, what the Broncos do at quarterback this offseason will determine every other plan they have because they have the flexibility of if they want to just slash and burn half the roster, you can turn down the option on Miller. You can not resign Justin Simmons. Again, that's crazy, but you could do it. You could let Shelby Harris, Drell Casey, Kareem Jackson, AJ Boya go. And you suddenly have like $70 million in cap space. Like you can completely reshape the Broncos. If you want to this offseason. I don't want them to do it, but, I, but I think if, if that's what they wanted to do and just try and bottom out as best they can, they could do that. I don't think anybody expects them to, um but that's why we've been discussing quarterbacks so much because i think
3: what because again everything go- well everything pivots off of that right if you well, go yeah. you save time and you go after a guy like deshaun watson well then it's very clear what you're doing for this these next two years is yeah. you're trying to win a super bowl as soon as you pick up deshaun watson you know if you
1: and I think go if in you the draft with Matthew Stafford, it's the same thing it's just I think your likelihood of a Super Bowl is lower, but I think your plan is the same. I think you have to win a Super Bowl, and you're you're counting on Matthew Stafford basically getting to a competent organization and taking a jump.
3: Yeah, And, and it changes. So that changes what you do in free agency. That changes your cap strategy because now you've picked up his cap. You've potentially spent draft capital trading for him, all of that. And so, yeah, I mean, everything does pivot on what you do as a quarterback position. And really... Like, we'll kind of know that after free agency because if free agency comes and goes and you haven't brought in a veteran quarterback, like that could potentially, you know, theoretically start, you haven't gone after a Matt Stafford, you haven't done the Deshaun Watson route, then you're kind of, we we know at that point they're either going to go all in on lock or they're going to try to trade up in the draft for somebody. And so things start to become a little bit more clear as you go, but it all starts to, it all dominoes after what they do at quarterback.
1: So I want to fast forward a little bit. Let's, let's pretend that nothing happened, like nothing big happened in free agency. Like, 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 and again, this is like a way too early scenario, but I just kind of want to, I think it's a, it's a fun thought exercise. So you go into free agency, let's say they sign Troy Hill. Um, and they pick up, uh, let's say they pick up, uh, Von Miller's option. Um, I do think if they were to turn down Von Miller's option, one sneaky guy that like could make sense is Leonard Floyd just because he's dropped in space, played for Fangio, pass rusher. I think he's going to cost too much for what he does, but I do think he's a good like, whole other thing. But let's say we get to the draft. They're at nine. The quarterbacks are gone. Like, the Trey Lance might be there, but, like, realistically, I don't think Trey Lance is going to be – I don't think you're taking Trey Lance if you're going to give Drew Locke a chance just because at that point, the time commitment between the two guys is, like, insane. Um, But let's say you're at nine – of the prospects outside of quarterback, and again, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, are there any that kind of like just drive, like, so I've, had, I've seen this discussion a lot because of Senior Bowl week. A lot of people in Broncos country love Panay Sewell. Panay Sewell is a left tackle for Oregon who opted out this year. Basically, the talk is that he's good enough to play basically any position on the line. With the questions about Juwan James' future, would you hate Panay Sewell at nine if that was to happen? Again, I'm not advocating for it, I haven't even scouted him yet, but I just, I've been thinking about it because like the whole thing with James has been a big, big discussion point. What do you think if they took Sewell at nine?
3: I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. And again, I haven't, I haven't done like deep, deep dive, but I did some preliminary, I've done some preliminary study on him. um, And I really like his game. And I think that, you know, obviously at that point, you're probably asking him, you're committing to asking him to move over to right tackle at least for a little bit, particularly because of Garrett Bowles' contract extension. But I think if he's amenable to that and you get a feel that he could make the switch pretty quickly, um, I think it's a great move because then you're setting yourself up. Like, who knows what's going to happen with Jawan James just from his health perspective and the fact that he opted out last year. Like, from a contract perspective, you're kind of locked into him this year, and so you hope he would start at right tackle. But I think – that's a great option for Denver, particularly if you're taking the longer term approach Mm -hmm. of let's, it's a slow burn on the offense. You know, we didn't bring in Matthew Stafford. We don't have to win right away. I think that's a great, it's a great option. Um, And probably would be the only other route that I would feel good about at nine, aside from a guy like Caleb Farley, or I like for 10 as well. Me too. I, and so I, to me, those are kind of the three options outside of quarterback that I think are viable for Denver if you're picking at nine.
1: So right before we got on, I tried to ask, uh, like my peeps on Twitter, like what their top five is outside of Trevor Lawrence right now. And then I told them, and, they, and sorry, my voice cracked, but, uh, I told them that I was going to try and make you kind of peg me down on this. But as I like, as we got ready to record, I'm pretty much in the same boat. like. I love Wilson. Again, if Wilson's there at nine, I have no idea what happened, but I would take him without hesitation. Um, I think from there, Caleb Farley's next for me. Right now, I think I like Justin Fields more than Sertan just because I have questions about how Sertan would handle speed. Uh, and I haven't watched him play off enough that I feel comfortable with it. That said, like, I wouldn't hate that pick. Like, he's good. Like he's very good. Um, and if the Broncos played like if the Broncos were Seattle. I love that fit for them. Like that kind of defense where he's asked to play soft press or like get his hands on guys at the line. Like he's going to be, he steps in day one. He's able to play. Like he's a, he's an early starter. Whereas Caleb Farley is going to be more of a projection because he didn't play last year. Um, Sertan is more of a proven commodity in that regard. So I think those are my top four. But beyond that, like I'm looking at Sewell. I'm very intrigued. I know Slater, uh, from Northwestern. I haven't watched him yet at all. But if either one of those two is viable as a right tackle, I'm open to it. Because, I again, I'm not necessarily shutting the door in Jawan James. But, like, if one of those two are there, that potentially solves the issue of trying to figure out the cap around Garrett Bowles and Jawan James in 2022. Because mm-hmm. the two together this year cost $18 million And that's almost entirely because Garrett Bowles. Next year, I think the cost jumps up to almost $30 million. Um, Maybe more. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. But it's a lot. Um, and I think that that creates an issue now that they, I think when they re-signed Juwan James, they weren't necessarily sure that they were going to give Garrett Bowles a contract. And at the time, if they were going to this year with Juwan James's structure before this year would have been cheaper and they could have had flexibility for Garrett Bowles, but because Juwan James opted out, and again, neither you or I are faulting him for opting out, like good on him for doing what's right for him, but because he opted out, you can't move him this year. Like, just realistically, you're hurting yourself to move him. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But that said, like, that doesn't mean that you can't plan for what you're doing next. Um, so I think you entered this year with Juwan James thinking he's probably the day one starter, barring again a Sewell or Slater or something like that at nine. But I do think that the Broncos are gonna try and approach that right tackle spot. I think they'd be wise to. Um yeah, I, I agree. The only other, sorry. The only other crazy one that I got to throw out there, I have only watched a little bit of him. Pitts, like Pitts from Florida. Uh,
3: (laughs) It's crazy. No,
1: it's crazy. He's a tight end, but he's actually like he's a tight end slash receiver. Um, I don't know if I have the faith that Pat Shermer would use him right. So again, I'm not. I'm not advocating for this. But if the Broncos did like a Matt Stafford trade and then they went and got Pitts, I don't know if I'd hate it, man. Like. Here's the- I mean, Pat
3: Shermer used Evan Ingram. I mean, in I think Pitts is more talented than Evan Ingram, but he essentially used Ingram as a slot receiver. And so, I mean, theoretically, you could see him and Noah Fant on the field at the same time. That's,
1: it's that's great- a couple years
3: in a row at tight end in the first round. And so you better be able to use those guys. But,
1: but this is like on this side of me scouting Pitts. Because, again, I haven't. If he can actually play X receiver though, because that's again what some people have been saying, um, if he can play X though, what he also does in addition to what he can do as a tight end, he gives you insurance against against Cortland Sutton's injury. Tim Patrick's playing out the last year of a contract, like he's not going to be a Bronco in 2022. I'd be shocked, unless they're like doing a whole thing with Cortland Sutton's contract. But like those two guys are actually long term questions right now because you don't know what Sutton's injury. You're going to have to pay him in two years, and then Tim Patrick, you have to pay him next year. So, like, if if Pitts can actually play X, he gives you insurance against all that, in addition to the fact that Albert O is coming back from injury, and you probably want to run more 12 anyway. So, like, you could talk me into this if he can actually ball. Like, I haven't watched him yet, but if he can do all the stuff people say he can do, I could get on board with it.
3: I think that's, yeah, to your point, I think that's a Matthew Stafford pick, or that's a, well, if, you're, if you've got the Sean Watson, you're not picking at nine, but... Um. So but yeah, I, mean, I I think you're that you're that's, you're that's a that's a load up that's a load up pick, yeah. right? That's not a um. I don't know that that's a long term structure pick. I mean, I think it is a good point about Tim Patrick and and maybe the uncertainty at at Cortland Sutton. Even though I'm I'm I think they'll for I sure keep I him around. It. I'm not. I'm not. Last year, just, yeah, yeah. I I'll get you. Yeah, last year was kind of your weapon your weapon stacking. And so this year to me, I think the priority has to be, let's get a guy to throw to those weapons, right? Like the last thing I want to do is add more weapons and have shitty quarterback play again. (laughs) But I, I, I do like the, I do like the idea. And and Pitt seems like a guy that, um, you know, has a lot of talent. I I want to dig in more on him. I've seen some stuff on him. I haven't done a deep dive yet, but, um, that's, that's a fun one.
1: So, in the end, it comes back down to quarterback, though I think. Like I think you and I, again, we're not we're not through scouting them yet. I don't think like, um. But but so right now, like your top five options at quarterback, how would you do it? And I guess that that'd be a good way to kind of end. Is kind of put you on the spot with this. Like, look at all of what may be available. So like for me, and I'll give you mine because I think this is like a good way. To, if Deshaun Watson's available, I am not not calling them every single day until they tell me shut the hell up stop <laughs> calling me i don't want you lock like until they do that i would be calling every single day because the worst thing they can do is say no it's like if you're trying to ask a girl out until she tells you no and again i'm not trying to be that guy like i'm not advocating for yeah. like don't <laughs> be this guy to women like don't be this guy but i'm just saying like until you know that it's a no it's not a no and like right now with deshaun watson that situation is we don't know and until you don't know, like I would want him again, he changes the entire marketplace. Like he changes what's possible. He's a top five quarterback. He's 25. So like he's a year older than uh, Joe Burrow and he's already an elite quarterback. That's like, crazy. I, yeah. Crazy. So like, so for me, that would be my number one. Um, what would be your number one?
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's number one. Um, number two, I, I, I go back and forth. I'd have to really deep dive into the quarterback class probably before I feel good about like staking my claim. And this is a guy I would come up for. But I think yeah. probably tr- number two would probably be going up for a guy, like finding a guy you really like and going up for him mm-hmm. um, for all the reasons that we talked about. And then number three, I think, would be Drew Locke.
1: That's kind of um, where I think I am. I, again, you can talk me into Matt Stafford. Um, if the Broncos do it and they traded picks, that like again, if it's not nine, I can buy in. I get it. Um, because Matt Stafford's essentially what you hope Drew Lock is eventually. My whole thing is just his age and the injury. The injury history scares me a lot. Um, I'm I'm in Michigan, watching the games most of the time, so I'm very well aware of the Lions. I I hear about it a lot. He gets hurt a lot, so that that's that's what scares me. And the
3: last thing you want, not I'm not saying Matt Stafford is Joe Flacco, but the last thing you want is a Joe Flacco situation where it just completely bombs and um you know now you've you've spent capital potentially to bring this guy in, you've committed a, a good chunk of cap to this guy, and you know, he's he's not an he's not an elite quarterback. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying like that it proves out once you once he gets into your office offense and stuff like that yeah i think he'd that'd probably be fourth option for me at quarterback and then fifth would be um you know i don't know pick a guy at nine maybe like a guy falls to you at nine that's your third option or something and you try to make it work with him i think that's probably that's probably five for me so here's my fault is not on there
1: here's my five ryan fitzpatrick baby (laughs) we're going for the magic we're going for it
3: at least at least it would be entertaining right
1: be fun like if we're gonna be bad let's be fun
3: be bad with style right
1: yeah the press con i would watch all the press conferences i don't do that all the time (laughs) but oh so guys let us know what you think i want to know your top five um also tell us if we're crazy with the pit stuff because if you guys are open to it, I'm down to actually look at Pitts Let me like, actually consider this. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to, the excuse to study him because, like, I love watching really good receiver play, and I'm basically ignoring the receiver class this year because Denver's not going to probably draft a guy in the top 100. But I would love an excuse to study a guy like him. So let us know what you think. Um